0: everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Women in Tech SEO podcast. I'm Marie Jabali. I am the founder of Women in Tech SEO. Today's episode is all about e-commerce SEO strategy. And joining me is the brilliant Laura Brady, SEO manager at Novos.
1: Hey, Laura. Hiya. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, not bad, thank you. Not bad. This season is sponsored by Novus. Novos. Novos, the e-commerce SEO agency, has won multiple awards for their SEO campaigns, including Best Global SEO Agency of the Year, two years running. Trusted by over 150 global e-commerce brands, including the likes of Bloom and Wild, Patch & Thread, Novos provides technical e-commerce SEO expertise with a creative edge. They have been named as one of 2021's best workplaces in the UK and with a diverse gender-balanced team, are a culture-first agency. The great news is that you can join them. They're hiring senior digital PR and SEO strategists. Visit thisisnovos.com or follow on LinkedIn at thisisnovos.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. We were just saying, like, I'm really excited about this episode because I've recently started um, an in-house e-commerce role, so I, I think I'm gonna learn tons from it.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, it's be really good to talk about it. I previously didn't work in e-commerce either, so it's only, I've only really just spent the last year and a half doing it. So, I know, I know how you're feeling. <laughs>
0: yeah, awesome. Well, can you tell everyone a little bit about you and how you got started in the world of SEO?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Laura. I work for Novos as an SEO manager focusing on e commerce strategy. Um, I've been at Novos since kind of like I joined mid pandemic. So, like, well, when it just kicked off. So, in uh, April 2020. And before that, I worked at Screaming Frog for about just under three years. Um, and that's where I kicked off my SEO career. I was quite lucky to start there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. And so, does Novos mainly focus on is it all e commerce clients that they work with?
1: I'd say like 98% of all clients are e-commerce. Um, yeah, might have the odd one that, that isn't specifically e-commerce, but m- like, yeah, I'd say the vast majority is e-commerce.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think it's really nice to be able to specialize and have a niche. Um, when I was agency side, we kind of worked uh, like across so many different things. And I can imagine there's definitely a lot of benefit that comes from focusing on that one industry.
1: Definitely. It's very fast paced as well. So you kind of have to hit the ground running as well.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, we're, we're we're part of Women in Tech SEO and something that I always love to ask all women who, whether they come on the podcast or have one of our workshops or interviews, is just get a bit of an understanding about, you know, what, what empowers you and what keeps you motivated and inspired within the industry.
1: Um, this is such a dream. I was like, I'm being aahing over this. Um, I think it's just that there's so many different things. I can't really like give you one one example but I think I've like been really lucky to work in two really good workplaces like Novos is so good and like I've learned so much from everyone there like we get to work with kind of so many different team members we're not really siloed into kind of like one team or anything so that's been awesome and like obviously Screaming Frog was cool too but like yeah no I I guess it was just like just picking up on everyone else's kind of like advice and just i'm not really afraid to go and ask questions to other people and like kind of throw myself into things so it's more just kind of just not saying no to things and just like like taking the opportunities and projects and i've picked stuff up along the way i wouldn't say it's down to anything like in particular but yeah. um i do enjoy going to all the events and listening to podcasts like this one and everything too as well
0: yeah definitely i think you know you get a lot of inspiration from the people you work with and you're right like there's a big difference between yeah just kind of working on your own but then and especially when you're agency side as well I know that you you know you get to learn from so many people around you
1: definitely I think the worst thing you can do is put your headphones in (laughs) in an office just like listening out to all the like conversations around you you can pick up so much as well
0: yeah and did you have any like was it how how easy or how difficult was it starting mid-pandemic in a new role
1: Oh, it was actually it was well, I mean, I had nothing to compare it to. I think I was actually a bit more like confident because I was like, Oh, it's just a screen, you know. <laughs> you know how in the office when you join and everyone can hear all your questions and stuff, yep. it can be a bit intimidating and everyone has their own way of working, but you know, behind a screen I found that, you know, a bit bit more leveraging. But then at the same time, I'd never done e commerce before and I was joining a new company and Oh, just troubleshooting tech issues at the beginning was interesting, <laughs> you know, being yeah. like, I can't see that on my screen and having to like, ask silly questions like that. But it definitely was an experience, particularly for e-commerce, because it was a huge business change for loads of our clients as well. So yeah. it was just kind of managing that situation as well. But it was an awesome experience. And I think I'm going to look back on it quite fondly and like definitely take lots of learnings from there as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for, you know, for women who are just starting out within the industry and kind of trying to get their feet in SEO, do you have any advice to give them?
1: Um, I'd probably say, like, don't specialize too early. So um, I guess like in my in one of my roles, I did kind of go down the link building path quite early. But then I started kind of asking like about different areas. So I used to work on the um uh spider support or the um screaming frog software support um I used to like reply to some of those things and then I used to pick up on um a lot of kind of tech SEO via those means so like you know just like troubleshooting if someone has an issue using the software um and then I'd like ask the tech team some questions and my managers and then um you know at Novos I've I really like working with all like the different teams like content you know PR tech and everyone um And I just, I think the more people you work with, the more you pick up naturally, like it's less forced. And yeah, just getting involved in as many different areas of projects as you can, like just because you're an SEO doesn't mean you can't think about the outside kind of impacts as well. Like how will it impact the general marketing team? Like, you know, you don't need to just think about SEO from the offset. I think the more kind of thinking of it as a whole the more you can learn and then yeah just like attend talks listen to podcasts you know follow twitter accounts watch videos like I don't know about you but sometimes I find the blogs really hard to ingest like I'm reading them and I, I just start like kind of daydreaming or not really like taking in as much so I find that like, loads of different means of kind of learning things has really helped me personally
0: yeah, and uh, you know it's a different learning experience for everyone. And I know you Definitely. know some people prefer kind of the fully fledged out blog posts, but then others really really struggle to keep up with that. And for them, you know, yeah, watching a video or like listening to a podcast is is a much better experience in terms of learning.
1: Definitely, and always pick a talk you know nothing on at mm-hmm. like one of the events. Go to the ones you want to, and then always pick one that you know absolutely nothing on, or is not even like part of SEO, and you'll learn something there too. I'd say.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that advice. You're right. I think we we tend to, you know, when I think of the likes of Brighton SEO, we we're always sat in the room where, oh, this is, you know, this is the stuff we do inside out. And this is our day to day. But we wouldn't really think too much of of going to a track that isn't really a track that we work on too much.
1: Yeah, I actually made the mistake of on Brighton. I don't know how I managed it, but I ended up just going to all PPC talks. And, oh, I love that. And, um, I was like, because they were more about e um, so I was like oh I'll go I'll listen to some of the e-commerce ones because they're relevant but then I accidentally ended up sitting in like three or four uh, PPC talks <laughs> which yeah. is a bit, but I did actually learn quite a lot so um, you know.
0: Yeah I mean I learned so much from the, our PPC team in-house um, I learned so much from them and I definitely think there's I love what you touched on about exchanging topics and ideas with, you know, different marketing departments and not just thinking only about SEO and organic strategy, yes. but also kind of, yeah, seeing how that can integrate with other channels as well. Definitely. Awesome. Okay, so we want to talk about all things e-commerce today, which I'm really excited yes. about. So I think maybe a really good way to start with kind of get an understanding behind what would differentiate an e-commerce SEO strategy with, you know, your typical normal SEO strategy.
1: From personal experience, I'd say, "Um, it's mainly like you know every single thing you're doing kind of has a monetary value, so um, you know you're working with conversions, you know there's constant updates to the site, so you know they've got seasonal product if it's a fashion, you know they'll have the spring collection, autumn collection, you know uh winter, then you know if it's an other type of thing, it might be different sports, there'll be sporting events or You know, it's never just one static piece of content you're working with. You're always having to think about the bigger picture. You have to be, like, more proactive, too, because if you're thinking Christmas, you're kind of having to do it at the latest kind of August whilst all the, like, products and inventory is coming in, you know, you're like having different types of pages to work with. So it's specifically if you're working on Shopify, you know, you've got the collection pages versus the um pages versus product pages and they've all got different purposes. So like it's almost like juggling lots of moving parts. And yeah, you've got different CMS limitations. I mean, I'm sure you do like I know you have it with kind of general SEO too, but you know, Shopify, Magento, WooCommerce, everything is all completely different. So You've got to kind of take those into consideration when you're recommending to developers. You're like, can they actually implement these? Or is this going to cause more kind of harm than good? And then, you know, from experience too, we've had to deal with emerging markets that aren't established yet. So, for example, a a pre-mixed cocktail client we work with and Bloom and Wild, the flowers, you know, these are all kind of delivery, like kind of letterbox delivery kind of companies. And they were emerging when we took them on. So we were kind of having to anticipate what the market would look like when it had grown. So, you know, what would people think of when they were searching for this kind of product so we don't always have the historical data to back it up or we don't always have the google trends or you know the search volumes because they might not exist yet but that doesn't mean they're not going to exist in the future so you're kind of having to think about all of these things at the same time and also you know I don't know if I'm generalizing here, but e-commerce sites often have very long dev ticket timelines. They've got so much going on. You know, they're uploading new products, they're making changes to the design. They've got brand involved, so trying to get your SEO tickets in and highlight the importance and importance and relevancy of them too can be quite hard too. Um, but all in all, it's just probably more fast-paced and more kind of you have to be more agile. You can't just stick to one thing and go with it. You're going to have to, you know, change your your approach several times I'd say
0: yeah I, I love what you're saying about emerging markets and I think that's you know with with a lot of rise in e-commerce and a lot of websites kind of completely changing their strategy and tactic you're right there's tons of new um, services subscription boxes all that type of stuff that didn't used to exist and I can imagine how challenging or difficult it might be to predict what the demand might be for for some of those services
1: definitely you kind of have to anticipate what the future buyer will be like um so it's quite good like it's quite interesting and you know like diving into all the different you like well when we do this we like take into consideration PPC data so we'll be like okay well what's converting in PPC is this something we can look at we have to look at their brand we have to look at you know all the different angles it's not just how can we get traffic onto their site because with e-commerce you know it's great getting traffic onto their site but if these people aren't Uh, buying anything then is that actually is SEO any value to them so it's also having to think of that as well
0: yeah and being agency side do you feel that there are some learnings um, like across an array of different e-commerce clients that feel quite in common
1: um it's really I don't know that's a hard one because like obviously every business and client is different um And I'd also say it's as much client communication and management as it is SEO. You know, it's great having this amazing SEO strategy, but if it doesn't match how like match the business's goals, then, you know, it's become a bit redundant at the end of the day. So um, I'd say it's like when you when you are doing an SEO strategy for e-commerce clients, ask what their business goals are and ask what the most important terms are to them or like their hero products for example and then like prioritize based on that so what we like to do is like we like to put everything into projects rather than just a list of dev tickets so we'll have like a project to grow a certain area of the site or internal linking or something and every team will work on it and um, and then we'll give it a score like a priority score on that like, in- impact it will have the confidence and the effort it'll take and that helps because you're like I'd say about 80% of the time you know you're not talking to an SEO you're talking to a marketing manager so you need to give it to them you know you need to talk to e-commerce clients not from an SEO perspective you need to talk to it as if it's just a general business marketing decision because if you use all the jargon and like the abbreviations and all that kind of stuff then you know it might not settle in and uh you know understandably the marketing managers might not understand it or dismiss it so you know prioritizing things based on business decisions opportunity and also giving them like specific score based on priority I think is really important and you're also having to balance like your recommendations with the PPC team the brand team traditional PR teams you know all of this stuff so um I think it's trying not to get too tied up in the SEO part of things and more like how can SEO complement everything else they're doing
0: yeah I love that and I love what you said I completely agree the the fact that you know 80% or more of the time you're actually you're not speaking to in-house SEOs you are speaking to the likes of a marketing director or a brand director or a CMO. So yes, you we need to know how to speak their language um, for them to actually get a good understanding behind what it is that we're trying to achieve. Definitely, yeah. And let's envision that, you know, you, you have a brand new e-commerce client, they've just come in and you're you're going through that onboarding phase. What's a fundamental starting point to establish what their e-commerce SEO strategy is going to be?
1: We quite like to have like a kickoff call with them and just understand how they work and what the business goals are, like I was saying before, and like who they consider to be their competitors. Because quite often you'll find that the competitors they, they've seen from a business, like a whole a business as a whole perspective and their kind of SEO um, competitors, I was like saying like inverted commas, um, could be very different. So I like to see kind of who they consider like their competitors versus that um and then personally I then like to follow all the competitors on Instagram or Twitter because I find that businesses tend to announce what they're going to do on Twitter or you know Instagram before they actually implement them on site so it's one way to kind of stay ahead of what everyone else is doing um We also like to look at their kind of SEO history, a bit like, you know, like a medical history (laughs) that you go and you're like, have you been like um, impacted by any historical updates? You know, have you migrated? What's your international position? You know, like we like to look at kind of the surface level stuff before we dive into them. And also just understanding what they're trying to get out of SEO, because everybody's different. It's not always about the revenue. It can also be about customer signups, newsletter signups, wanting to grow out the blog. And yeah, from that, then we can work together on the trends, internal linking tactics, product launches, content strategies. And from that, I kind of take all that information in. Then I'll do like a crawl of the site and, you know, the usual SEO (laughs) checks you'll do. And I like to link those all up into projects like we do at Novos. Uh, So say I've noticed that they've got some 404 errors and there's an issue with the menu and then, you know, the homepage isn't optimized. I could then group those into an internal linking project and like give that as a project in its whole. So, And then we can make sure that everyone's supporting that as well. So I kind of like to go from that perspective rather than just diving straight into the kind of crawl or the SEO tactics per se yeah
0: and you tend to find that there are some you know common oversights from uh, across a uh, scale of e-commerce clients are there things that tend to be oh yes that that's going to be a challenge that's problematic it helps you know where to look first
1: I oh, definitely like especially like on different CMSs there's always going to be the kind of common things that pop up but one thing we've kind of started doing a lot more is like focus I know this is like kind of slightly controversial but it's like focusing less on search volume and especially in e-commerce because say you've got like a brand where say they're selling uh like fashion items and they want to rank for the term black dress but their dress is say 500 pounds I mean I personally don't have the budget for that but say it did um you know you don't really want to be on the first page for that term because you know you'll also have like ASOS, Pretty Little Thing, all the other kind of high street brands. So, you know, even if you are on the first page for that, if your dress is five hundred pounds and your all the other brands on there are like under twenty pounds, then the likelihood is it's just not worth, you know, the effort of putting all of that work into it for then it to be like a redundant um, term that you're ranking for, so it's like exploring areas. Like, do you put luxury in front of it? Do you put designer if you're a designer? Do you put expensive? Like, what you put yourself in the customer shoes, going, if I wanted to buy a dress of this value and this, you know, kind of caliber, would what what would I type in? Would it be the material? Is it made of cashmere? Is it made of this? You know, trying to think from a user perspective rather than just like, oh, this uh, this term has like fifty thousand search volume. Maybe I should, you know, try and rank for that. So that's something we've noticed quite a lot. And also just clients not really discussing their USPs, like assuming that everyone knows the brand as well as they do. So say you're a vegan brand, but you don't actually put vegan anywhere on your homepage because you're assuming that everyone knows you're vegan. Um, you know, just things like that, just like, are you a sportswear client? Does Do you have you got accessories written or does it say sports accessories? You know, just trying to think around the box, like giving Google as many like clues as you can to what you do.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, the more, the more long tail the higher the conversion really exactly. so even if it doesn't have the best search volume you know users are likely going to convert more if they if this is the term that they searched for and they stumbled on your website
1: exactly you no know, that's that's what we we like to think too it's like you know what are actually the smaller kind of opportunities that are likely to convert and one way that i think personally I mean I don't have a huge amount of experience to back this up but I personally always like to look at the PPC value I've got that uh plug-in you know the keyword surfer and whenever I do a term I'm like okay it's got a search volume for example of like I was working on a life insurance client a while ago and I noticed that one of the um search volume terms that I was trying to rank for had a search volume of like 50 but the pay per click was 35 pounds and I was like why is That's such a high value. I was like, you know, these companies must or Google must consider it quite an important term. If you know the paper clickers or CPC value is thirty five pounds, so then I like to take that into consideration too and go, okay, well maybe that is worth targeting, even though it's got really slow, really low search volume. You know, if it's considered a converting term from that perspective, maybe it's worth going for.
0: Yeah, I love that, Laura. I think you know we've got access to all of this data, but we don't really make the most out of it. And we tend to be very fixated on things like organic search volume, estimated organic traffic, but we don't actually focus on some of that PPC data. So that's such a good tip.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I think, you know, one other thing, like on the side of that too, is like, you know, I think we're on like the conversion side of things. Like you don't just need to target conversion, the conversion term itself with your blog. You can also look at post converting content to like support so say you have chosen that search volume where it's got like a really high ppt um, value what can you do to also support that so say for example um I don't know who would wear a cashmere black dress but say, we, <laughs> say that was the one we went for and it had like a search volume of like 30 then you could do a blog post on how to style it so it'd be like oh how to style a black dress or of that t- of that type and links to all the other products you know it's an internal linking perspective but it's also catching the right audience at the same time because once again you might only get like five visitors to that post but they might you know, go, oh, I do have one of these. Oh, I wonder what else this company sells. And you kind of caught those, that range of customers too.
0: Yeah, such, oh, I love that. Such a good tip. I just, I want to dive into a little bit the technical element behind it. So, you know, all things information architecture, and that's something that with all e-commerce websites, they have to prioritize and they have to think about how to make the most out of it. When it comes to, you know, crawlability and indexability of things like your nav, your category pages, your property detail pages, Do you have any advice on like starting tips or things for people to consider when they're looking at that?
1: Um, (laughs) Well, it depends on the like the site, the size of the site. But generally speaking, like we like I tend to go straight to the menu and just look at it and evaluate that. You know, are there too many items in the menu? Are there not enough? Is it a drop down? Is the anchor text okay? I feel like the quickest wins. Oh, with the internal linkings um, and like off the back of that breadcrumb linking too like so many people miss out on this opportunity spe- uh, specifically um, long tail breadcrumbs it's such an easy way for google to crawl and understand the hierarchy of your site so I'd always recommend um, kind of going in there I know a lot of blog posts they try and keep to five to seven items in the menu because of the short-term memory of I feel something like that of the human brain, but personally, I, you know, that's very hard specifically on big sites. And I know I sound like a bad at SEO saying this, but if you look at Amazon, look fantastic, John Lewis, all of them, they don't have five to seven, you know, items in their menu and they rank pretty well. So I'd say try and keep as close to that as you can, but don't get too hung up on it because, you know, you'd rather have more internal links than, um know cut something out because of like a something a blog post said but try to just keep the most important collections or category pages in there and you know link to relevant subcategories where you can but you know don't overthink it too much look at your filters as well you know are they necessary are they other duplicate pages being created by filters but then equally on the other side are you missing out on ways people search so if you think of a shirt like or a top you might have hit every uh like type of color of that top have you thought about the style or the fits like um going back to the conversion converting terms we we're talking about are people actually more likely to search for a specific style of shirt or style of top than they are to think of the color of it you know themselves so you know always consider that as well and yeah just think about your crawl budget too is is Google even able to get to your collection pages or is it getting hung up in all your product pages and, you know, out of stock um kind of products and all of that? So I'd say those are probably our top top tips from that perspective. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I mean, I know this is such a huge like topic to try to discuss, but specifically when we're dealing with websites at scale, I mean, you mentioned the likes of John Lewis and so forth, and it makes it so much more difficult than some of the newer type of e-commerce sites that have a small number of products that they're offering. Yeah, how how can we go about optimizing and providing recommendations for you know at scale for very large websites?
1: I think processes here, are your best friend, really like you know, we like to come up with processes and, you know, everything that you do has to be scaled for these big websites. You can't just be like, update the old text on your site, because that could be hundreds of thousands of images. So we like to come up with processes for our clients. And, you know, we might give them some SEO training, or we'll talk them through them. But, you know, particularly out of stock products is a massive one, like, are they coming back in to, uh, into stock? Are they discontinued for good? You know, your sale pages, what are you doing with that? Um, and then what we like to do personally is we have a process for when tech changes go live. So we'll review them. Um, and we always ask to review every global tech changes of procedures just to catch anything because sometimes it can have a knock-on effect to another page or another area of the site that you wouldn't realize, particularly when you're working with d- different CMSs. And, you know, when the new pages go live, instead of having them live, they're not trying to optimize them. We try to think, okay, how can we scale this and how can we, um, work with these pages in the future and yeah so the bigger the website the more we find the more important ROI is too so you know when you're trying to put forward um an SEO recommendation trying to show them either how much money it will make them or require them losing or something it always helps to back up the business case because 90% of the times so you have the SEOs on your side you have the marketing manager but they're also having to deal with some of the kind of bigger um bosses or managers at the company so they're having to put a monetary value forward for the SEO case as well so always thinking like that too and then I guess do you actually need all the pages that you have are a lot of these historical pages are a lot of them 404s or orphan pages like are there anything any pages that actually aren't required on the site that you can kind of calibrate or come up with a strategy to deal with it
0: Yeah, I love what you said about ROI. And I think I only really appreciated that when I moved from agency to client side. And I've come to realize how many people you need to respond back to. And, you know, proving ROI of an agency and proving ROI of, you know, the SEO strategy you've got on board and the resources you're asking for. So the more the agency is more of an extension to the client, the better. And that kind of sounds like the setup that you currently have at Novos.
1: Definitely. Forecasting becomes your best friend and enemy at the same time.
0: Yeah yeah i can imagine and i think you know that that brings us to a really it it would be awesome if we kind of wrap up the episode by by telling people when we come to report on some of these metrics like what are the metrics in the first place and and how can you continue to report on you know your success on delivering that e-commerce strategy
1: i think it's just like going back to that original kickoff call and going what what did the client want to get out of seo like, was it traffic? Was it revenue? Was it, you know, keyword updates? You know, are they continuing continuing to dominate their brand as well as, you know, non-branded terms? And, um, you know, making sure they're happy as well. Um, and you can't always guarantee results, but you can always guarantee that you'll give a high level of service with the client and be agile with the strategies. And, you know, most of the time clients understand that specifically in e-commerce you can't control external factors like a global pandemic or you know um you know demand in the industry so you know just making sure that you've got the service there in the first place um you know is usually a great way of measuring this and we do actually send out a customer or like sorry a client feedback kind of form for what we call the happiness index um with our monthly report so it's always good to get feedback and you know they're honest and transparent um and yeah we like to check in with our clients too and go okay you know every quarter have any of your business goals changed is there anything you want us to focus on and then you've always got a benchmark to go back to at the end of the day too
0: yeah, I love that. I, I've read so much about your happiness index and mm-hmm. I, I know you apply that both for clients and, and you have your own metric as well that you apply internally for the team. And I think a lot more agencies and companies need to adopt this.
1: Definitely, yeah. Highly recommend it.
0: <laughs> love it. So do you have any resources that you can recommend? You know, if people want to learn more about e-commerce, SEO strategy, where where should they go? What should they read?
1: Um, I mean... There's loads of different ways you can do it, like, you know, explore newsletters, like I think I am a member of the um Women in Tech community too, Um, got the Novos blog, you know, shameless plug, but if you want to have a read about that, we do everything specific to e-commerce, SEO and digital PR, Um, listen to a few podcasts and just follow lots of people on Twitter that you can too, because when you're mindlessly scrolling, uh, you tend to pick up things without even realising um and then you can also set up a tweet deck if you want really to like kind of an seo tweet deck where you've kind of got your technical your content your pr and all of that too i'd recommend
0: yeah we'll, we'll link to the novice blog definitely and I, I know you do publish a lot of pieces on that so yeah and if people want to learn more about you laura or how to stay in touch with you what's the best way to do that
1: um probably linkedin or twitter so um uh, my twitter is laura with Brady, B-R-A-D-Y, eight, number eight. I set this up a long time ago. (laughs) So I can link to it. I can like share the link afterwards. But um, yeah, yeah, you can catch up on there. But you might just see a lot of animal videos. (laughs) I'm not very on Twitter.
0: It's okay. That's more reason people want to follow you. But yeah, I'll I'll link up your LinkedIn and your Twitter in our show notes. Um, But yeah, huge thank you, Laura. You've shared so much in half an hour. I don't think you even quite appreciate how much you've shared with us. I feel like we need to make a copy of your brain.
1: <laughs> oh, I
0: don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And and thank you everyone for listening. Um yeah, th- this was awesome. I've I feel like I've learned so much and um, you know, you can stay up to date with all of our episodes on dot SEO.com forward slash podcast. We are out every Tuesday with a brand new episode from a brilliant woman in SEO um, discussing, you know, anything from e-commerce to core up vitals to image optimization. So definitely do um, subscribe and um, keep up to date with all of our episodes that, that come out on a weekly basis. Huge thank you, Laura.
1: No worries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all.